as, as a follower of Christ, when we give our lives to Christ, what happens is that we are positionally, we're reconciled back to God. We are able to have a relationship with the God of the universe, the God that, that spoke and things were created. We have that ability because of our, our faith in Christ. We're also joyful because we've been forgiven of our sins. We have our, our sins and the, the, the repercussions and the, the, the damages that sin does in our life it can be washed away and we can be completely forgiven. As a follower of Christ, we walk in the abundance of grace. Every day, the Lord is just showering grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. As a follower of Christ, we have joy because we're also filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes in and dwells us and gives us access to God, but also gives us wisdom, gives us knowledge, gives us understanding, gives us power, gives us conviction. Lots of things to be joyful about. We have amazing, unspeakable joy being a follower of Christ. But have you also pondered the responsibility I think the main responsibility of being a follower of Christ is not keeping this joy to ourselves. That's a, that's a responsibility. Like we have unspeakable, unfathomable joy in our lives, and, and our responsibility is to not keep that to ourselves. We actually have to try in this world not to share about the joy that we have. Think about how crazy that is. Let me give you an example of how we have to work hard not to share this. Imagine you and a friend are standing in the road. And all of a sudden, you look up the road and you see as your friend is walking out in the street, you see a huge truck barreling down the road. Now, are you in that instance and you see your friend is in the road and you see this truck's coming towards him, are you going to just sit there and think to yourself, well, should I say something? Like it would be unkind of you, unloving of you for you not to say anything. And you don't have to in that moment, in that split second, you don't have to think, should I share? Should I show love? No, in that moment, as you see a truck coming towards your friend, you're screaming out, hey, watch out, there's a truck coming. Like you don't have to think about it. You just do it. And even if you scream out to your friend and your friend turns back to you and he's like, nah, forget about it. Nah, there's not really a truck coming. And he keeps moving on. What do you do? You yell out even more. And you're like, no, dude, I'm serious. There's a truck coming. If you don't move, you are going to die. And he says, nah, forget it. You, you, whatever. What are you going to do? Are you going to sit there again and still contemplate, well, should I do something? Should I step in and say something? No, you're going to get out there and you're going to tackle your friend and move him out of harm's way because you love him, because you know him and you do not want to see him die. Right? I think we, we, in those instances, we don't have to make a conscious decision to share. We just do. Even if our friends don't believe. I mean, you don't on the side, as you see your friend headed to his death or his doom, you don't sit back and think, well, should I say something? Or if I'm going to say it, how, how should I say it? Should I say, hey, watch out? Like you're not thinking about what, what to say, how to say it. You're not coming up with a script of things that you need to say. Well, first I need to tell him to look. Then I need to tell him to watch. And then I need to tell him to You're not thinking of the script. You don't think through the words. When you see imminent danger, you respond through words by giving words of warning. 
this is a lot of times the, not the way when it comes to sharing the gospel. We don't, I mean, we, we, we see ourselves in those same positions every day. God has, has littered our lives with people that unless something happens, they're headed to a Christless eternity. Your life this morning, my life is littered with people all around. That unless something happens, they're headed to a Christless eternity. And God, have you ever thought that God has placed you in the lives of those people so that you could be the mouthpiece of warning? But not only the mouthpiece of warning, but the mouthpiece of joy that can rescue them, not only from the destination they're headed to, but to the destroyed life that they're experiencing right now. This is what I want us to ponder this morning. Today, I want us to to look at God's word, and I want us to see that we are called to speak the truth in love. So if you've got a Bible, I'd love for you to take it out and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. If you've got a Bible that we provided for you, it's on page 838, Ephesians chapter 4. In in this series, we've been looking at Ephesians chapter 4. We've been walking through and trying to learn truths about uh, being in this thing called the church and how, how do I fit, how do I belong, and what am I supposed to do? And the first week we took a look at because of our faith in Christ, because of Christ's work, what he does is in his death, burial, and resurrection, we see that what he does is through our faith in him is he provides us an opportunity not only to be one with God, but he puts us in this thing called the church, which is an organism in which we can be one with other fellow believers. So because of Christ, he removes distinctions, he removes any difficulties or obstacles, and he brings us together in this thing called the church. And so we are one. The second week we looked in the, in the fact that because God puts us in this thing called the church and because we have faith in Christ, he has designed us to grow. He has designed us to mature. He's designed us to, to spread. And last week we took a look at that God, because in his love, he's given us certain structures for serving. So there, there are ways in which the church has, has structure and the church has administration, the church has leaders, the church has positions, but he gives us those things so that they help us to serve. We're supposed to go and take the gospel outside of ourselves and we're supposed to share. And today I want us to see that inward, as we're doing this, we're supposed to be speaking the truth in love. So look with me in verse 15 is where we're going to begin. This is what Paul writes. He says, rather... Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your words this morning. And Father, I am aware that your word is powerful. Oh, that your word has the power to breathe life to our souls. Your word has power to encourage us. Your word has power to correct us. And it's your word that changes us. So, Father, I pray um, that as your word is spoken this morning and your word is heard, may we be receptive. May we be open for you just to teach us. So, Father, I pray that your spirit would be very active in this room right now. Illuminating our minds, illuminating our hearts, and drawing us close to you. For we are desperate people in need of you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. First, as we take a look at this passage, I want to jump down to verse 16. And I want us to see the design of the body of Christ. Look, at, look in verse uh, 16. What, did, what does he say? What's the design of the body of Christ? 
The design of the body of Christ, which we've already taken a look at, is it's designed to grow and mature. It's supposed to grow and mature into love. And how does it do that? Do you see what it says there? It says it does this when each individual member is working properly. Like when when you think about your body, when parts of your body are not working properly, you go to the doctor and you try to identify the part of your body that's, that's not working properly so it can get fixed, right? Because you know if, if you have parts of your body, that the, the little parts of your body aren't working properly, then the whole body suffers, right? I mean, even if you have like a hangnail, like that hurts and it can impact your day. A little tiny thing can in, impact your day if it's not working properly. But if everything is working properly, you're healthy and you're growing and you're doing all these things. So the same is true in the body of Christ. If each individual member, that means if you and I are working properly, the body of Christ is designed to grow and mature in love. So if we're not growing and maturing in love, that means there's a problem. And there's a problem can be on the corporate level, but most uh, necessarily, it will be in the individual level. So you say to yourself, well, what is my role then? Well, if we take a look at what we've taken a look at, there are three things that we know if we are working properly. As a believer, we are called to continually mature in our walk with God. You don't just come to the point of, of knowing Christ and say, okay, I've got it, I'm good, I'm good to go, and you move on. No, you continually are in this process of becoming more and more like Christ. So we mature in our walk with God. Second thing we do, we serve through our gifts. So we give ourselves over to other people, those that we serve above us, we serve to those that are next to us, and we serve those that are below us. So we are people that use the gifts that God has given us to serve. And today we're really going to look at the need to be sharing words of truth. So those three things, maturing in our walk, serving through our gifts, and sharing words of truth. That's when we are working properly, we're doing those things. If we neglect one of them, we're no longer working properly and we're hindering the growth of the body of Christ. So if we scooch scooch back up to verse 15. Scooch, is that a word? Okay, we're going to scooch back up to verse 15 and we're going to see we speaking the words of truth in love. Look at me in verse 15. I'm going to read it again. He says, rather speak the truth in love. Rather, speak the truth in love. In this way, he gives us both uh, defensive and offensive. So our words are supposed to be defensive, but they're also supposed to be offensive. If we go back to verse 14, we see that we're speaking the truth in love as a defensive way so that we help protect ourselves from some com- succumbing to the wickedness of the world. So he says, speak the truth in love. So as followers of Christ, as believers, together we share words of truth in love to each other to help us defend against being overcome by this wicked world. But then we're also supposed to use them in offensive ways, not being offensive, but offense, like defense and offense. We are to use them as a way of advancing the kingdom to speaking the truth in love. Now, this is a very simple thing to understand, but it's hard to do sometimes. You see, you know we are people that use words. We use words every single day, and that isn't hard. We use every day, words every single day to communicate. We use our words to give directions. We use our words to give instructions. We use our words to share our feelings. We share our thoughts. We share our ideas. We use ev- words every single day. And as followers of Christ, our words are so very important. I've said this before, but you can tell a lot about a person 
by the stories they choose to tell. If you listen to the stories that people choose to tell about themselves or about life, you can know what they think about, what they care about, what they fear. Just for a moment, I want you to take a few moments and think about your words this week. If, if someone had to take the summation of all of your words this week, what did they communicate? What, what, what story were you telling about what you fear, what you believe, what you desire? Were your words words of grumbling? Was work hard this week where someone was doing something that they, they ran in and, and, and messed up your life? Was your life this week full of grumbling? Was your life full of complaining? Were you gossiping? Was this a week that could be marked with anger? Or was your week filled with words of encouragement, words of praise, words of love? See, we're given simple instructions here. Very simple instructions. Speak the truth in love. It's easy. What are we supposed to say? As we're living as Christians, what should our words be consistent of? Speaking the truth in love. Love. That is easy to understand, but it's challenging to do. And normally, when we think about this, there are two main pitfalls we can fall into on this continuum of speaking the truth in love. We sometimes find ourselves being able to speak the truth without love, or we can speak love without truth. Speaking the truth without love is when we encounter people and we try to encourage them or we try to instruct them, we lead with the truth and we, we badger them without caring for their hearts. We can say the right things in the wrong way and it still be the wrong thing. Has it, have, let me give you an example of this. There was a song I, I thought of this week that I used to sing as a kid and I, I used to sing it, like scream it to the rooftops. And as I got a little older, I began to really think about the words of the song. And I think this is a negative example of speaking the truth. This is a positive example of speaking the truth without love. Let me give it to you. Have you ever, guys ever heard the song Revelation 21.8? Okay, I'll sing it for you. Ready? It goes like this. Revelation, Revelation 21.8, 21.8. Liars go to hell, liars go to hell. Burn, 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 burn. <laughs> Anyone ever heard that song? <laughs> truth. I have truth. Turn to Revelation 21 and read. It says, it says liars go to hell. Not only do liars go to hell, but, but uh, thieves and, and whoremongers and all these other things, they all go to hell. And so there's truth. That, that is in the word of God. But singing that song is not a way of communicating, speaking that truth in love. I have been guilty of singing that song. But since I have repented... So it's possible for us to speak the truth without love. And that repels people from the gospel. But second pitfall is speaking love without truth. That's when we, we care for the hearer's heart without interjecting the truth of God. Without interjecting the truth that leads to correction and repentance. Let me give you an example. Same, same issue of lying. You, you encounter someone that's lying, and someone that follows this pitfall says, you know, your lie, it's not that bad. Like, yeah, you lied, you didn't tell the truth, but it's not that bad. It, it was only a, a little white lie. God understands. 
God's gracious. Which, those are all true, right? But where is the interjecting of truth that you sh- thou shalt not lie? You should not lie. But how do we say that in a way that is both loving and truthful? See, both, if we push towards the truth side or the love side, if we, if we push to one of them, it gives an incomplete picture of our God. Either a God that is too condemning or a God that is, that is laxed about sin. And we know that God is holy and God is gracious. And somehow those both exist at the same time. And we're, we're both also called to that same holiness and to walk in grace. So what is this truth? What is this truth that God has given us? Quite simply, the truth that we are to share is the gospel. It is the good news. It is the story of Christ. It is the power of Christ that can be ours. It is the power that that Christ came down to live the life that we couldn't and died the death that we deserve, went to a grave, and God saw his sacrifice as meaningful and, and good and raised him from the dead. And if we would yet believe in Jesus and repent of our sins, we could have new life in Christ. So what we must do in this this gospel is when we understand to experience forgiveness, we must repent of the rebellion in our heart and believe in Jesus as Lord. That's how we entered our relationship with Christ. But that's also how we live daily with Christ. Not not being re-saved over and over again, but we live in the gospel every single day, knowing that that as we live our lives, we will rebel against Christ. Even though he saved us and, and secured us for eternity, but we live in the gospel every single day. Where we continually come to that place where we say, okay, Jesus, I surrender again to you. I repent because today I rebelled against you. And I surrender my heart, I surrender my life, I surrender all in my all to you. And we daily walk in that relationship. You know, God in his word has given us, he says a lot about the experience of life. In his word, he gives us a lot of instructions of how to navigate the challenges that we experience. Are you going through a challenging time? Is there a question that you have in your life? I'm sure the Bible has instructions to help you navigate that. The beautiful thing about Christ is that he has not left us here on our own, but he's given us the Holy Spirit and he's given us his word as tools to help navigate this world. So what is truth? Truth is the gospel. Truth is the words of God. And we speak it in love. We speak this truth in love. We, how, we, we approach people with understanding and compassion. First of all, with understanding and the fact that we, we try to attempt to put ourselves in their shoes. Like you can't really know what someone's going through if you just visualize their life. And you can, it's easy to look at someone's life and say, check mark that, fix that, fix that, fix that, fix that. That's easy to do. But speaking the truth in love involves going into that person's life and trying to see life from their perspective. Walking in their shoes for a little bit. So we have understanding, but we also come with compassion. My definition of compassion is is just simply this. It's coming close to someone with passion. You come close to someone with care and concern. That's what compassion is. You can't be compassionate with someone if you're distant from them. 
when you have no care or concern for what they're going through. But when you're compassion, you, when you have compassion for someone, you come close to them and you feel with them and you feel for them. And when you're in that place, you're able to speak truth and love because you see life from their perspective. And your words are words of correction, but they're also words of encouragement. So in reality, this this truth of speaking the truth in love requires an immense amount of wisdom. And the beautiful thing is, is that we are equipped with the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit inside of us that lives, and we can call on the Holy Spirit, we can call on God and ask Him through prayer to give us wisdom. God, in this situation, give me wisdom wisdom help me have eyes to see the needs and help me have the words to say as i engage and as i encounter and then god help me to have obedience to actually say the words that you give me well who is it that we are to speak these words of truth and love with i think in 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 ephesians chapter 4 specifically we see we we begin by sharing in the easiest most loving community that we can, and that's within the church, among our fellow believers, our fellow followers of Christ. We speak the words of truth and love where we encourage each other regularly and we caringly urge one another to stick with Christ. We spend time encouraging one another, hey, guys, stick with Christ. We can do this. God has promised us it's going to be challenging. We're going to come under attack from Satan. We're going to come under attack from the world. We're going to come under attack by our employers. We're going to come under attack. So let's encourage one another. Stick it out. But we're also supposed to speak these words of truth in love to those that are far from Christ. In Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, we see this. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Walk in wisdom. Like the necessity of of having a relationship with God so that we're continually allowing Him to fill our minds with the things that are true. We walk in wisdom. God, show me. Help me to see how you see. Help me to feel how you feel. Help me to know and be able to to understand what's going on in this world. And then we live intentionally. We walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the the best use of the time. We live intentionally. We don't just walk through the world trying to consider life from our own perspective. Like, how, is, how are my activities today going to benefit me, or how are they going to benefit my family? No, we live intentionally thinking about, how are my activities today going to impact the kingdom of God? Letting our speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. We speak gracious words. But you see the dichotomy, not the dichotomy there, but the, the, the connection there. Gracious, salty words. Do you see the truth in love? Gracious, salty words. We speak words of how God is gracious and God is loving and God is forgiving. But we also speak words that help people desire this God. Desire a relationship with Christ. Because apart from the Spirit and apart from God, everything that we speak will be foolishness to them. Walk in wisdom, intentionally, speaking words with grace and saltiness. 
Also, as we speak to those that are far from Christ, we see 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. He says this, But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. What, what does this mean? Does this mean as I'm, I'm seeking to, to be prepared to make a defense for the hope that is in me? Does, does this mean that I have to have a, a degree in biblical theology before I can speak? I mean, does, does it mean that you have to know all the scriptures before you can give a defense for your faith? Not at all. We don't need all of that. We don't need a head full of knowledge and to have all of the mysteries of the world figured out before we open up our mouths. What we have to have is a relationship with Christ before we open up our mouths. That's all we need. When we walk with the Lord, we have words to say. I, 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 can, I can tell you, I can't even tell you the amount of times that throughout the day, I'll, I'll, I'll begin the day with um, some time in the Word and uh, as I'm, I'm spending time with the Lord, as I'm walking with the Lord, I'll come across a passage that I'll read, and I can't even tell you the, the amount of times that throughout that day, that same passage has either come up in one of two ways. It, it either is a word of instruction to me later on in the day for me that I need to hear as I'm encountering things in life, or it's a word that someone else needs to hear. Has that ever happened to anyone else? Like you're spending time in the Word and you read something and just that very single day, someone comes to you with a challenge or a problem and you actually have something to say. And what are you actually saying? It's not your words, but it's the Word of God. And so that's why it's so necessary that we, we spend time with God. That's what you need. We need this walk with God. We get to know His truth and then we have the opportunity to share it. We must take the time to prepare ourselves. We take the time to prepare ourselves and then expect that God is going to surround us with people that need to hear the truth. So we don't just come to the Word so that we can check off, oh, I spent time with the Lord today. Check. No, we, we spend time with the Lord so that we're filling ourselves up with the Word of God so we have something to say. Because we're always filling ourselves up with something. Whether we turn on Facebook or, or watch TV or listen to music, there's, there's stuff coming into us. And, and let me give you a, a good example. How many of you, like, this is something that's happened in my life. There, there are times in which you watch a movie over and over and over again, right? And as you begin to talk with your friends or whatever, there are certain quotes or certain lines in those movies that just happen to come up. Does, does that ever happen to you? Okay, it happens to me all the time. Like, if you want to talk about Back to the Future, I've got all kinds of quotes that go from Back to the Future. And sometimes they even come up in my, my own, own mind. But it's the same idea. Like, I spent time, we spend time allowing those things to come in, those messages to come into our lives. We hear them, we think about them, and then they just come out. Man, if we spent time with the Lord like that, His words just come out. So we don't have to sit around and, and develop scripts of how we're going to talk with people. We, we, we know the word. We spend time with the word because we, we believe that throughout the day, not only do I need this word, but God is going to put someone in my path that needs this word as well.
we are responsible for speaking the words of truth in love. We are not responsible for the results. That's God's business. And I don't understand how God does that. I just understand he does it. He says in his word, I got that. You tell, I got the results. You don't tell, I can't produce results. So you say, okay, 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 Pastor Jeff, I get this theoretically. I, I get it. I'm supposed to speak the truth in love, but what does that look like? Like, tell me how this shows up in my life. Because I want to do it. I, I really do. I really feel like God has given me a heart to, to share his love with my coworkers and with those around me. How do I do this? Well, one, spend time in his word. You got, you got to do that, okay? Like, Spend time regularly in his word, consistently in his word. If your only Bible intake is here on Sunday morning, that is not good enough. That's good. Keep doing it. But it's not good enough. We've got to do, we've got to spend time more with him. Then, as you're spending time more with him, like, let me, let me give you an example. You take the time... To answer the questions when your, your children or a friend comes to you with a question. Like, you take time to answer it. Like, the other day, Eliza came to me. It was at nighttime, and she said, Dad, I want to know. I have this question. Could, could God not have stepped in and stopped what happened at Howard High School? And it was late, and I was tired. And she came with that real question that she'd been wrestling with. How could God, who's loving and good, how could he, could he not have stepped in and stopped it? And so we spent time walking through that. I, I took the time to kneel by her bed. I'm like, baby, he could have. He has all power to do that. But it doesn't mean he's not loving because he didn't. And if we had time, we, we could talk more about it. But it was, a, it was an opportunity for me in that moment to share truth in love. Let me give you another example. Maybe it means taking the time to write a letter to a friend that you know is struggling with anxiety. Maybe you have a coworker, you have a loved one, or someone, a neighbor that you know is struggling with anxiety, or they're going through a stressful time. Maybe speaking the truth in love is just as simple as sending them a text from the Word of God. Like, how about the passage that says, do not be anxious about anything, but in all things, with prayer and supp- supplication, give, make your request known to God. Text that to someone. Write that in a letter or an email to your friend that's suffering. Those are ways in which we speak the truth in love. And you'll never know how encouraging that can be because it's not you giving worldly wisdom, but it's you giving godly wisdom, connecting them to the word and allowing the word to speak to change. Or maybe it means something like this. Some at work, imagine yourself at work, or at school, at the supermarket, at the ball field, okay? You're at the supermarket, ball field, any of these places, and someone comes up to you that you know, and they say, hey, what, what did you do this weekend? How was your weekend? Like, how, how's your life going on? Well, you t- have the opportunity in those moments to speak the truth in love because you can share something like, you know, this weekend I went to church, and I was really encouraged because the pastor said this, or I was really encouraged because I read the, this in the Bible, or someone comes to you and say, how's it going? How's life? And you're like, you know what? You know what I just learned about God today? Today I was spending time with Jesus, and you know, know what he said? And then you just tell him. 
Instead of talking about the ball game as your lead-in sentence, I talk about things of God. Another way of looking at it is, is this. God, by design, has placed us in three spheres of context of our life. And we've talked about this before. Like if you think of the context of your life, your life consists of where you live, where you work, and where you play, right? That, that, that's the context of your life. And in the context of your life, God has littered people all throughout each one of those spheres of people that you have the opportunity to engage and talk with every single day. We have opportunity in those areas to talk with people one-on-one. We have the opportunity in those spheres to talk with people in small groups. And we even have the opportunity to talk in large groups. So there, so there are these three spheres, but in that there are different settings. One-on-one, small groups, and large groups. And I want to share with you just quickly some thoughts about that. In where you live, I want you to think of people where you live that are both in your home and in your immediate community. Okay, so if you're, you're a parent and you have children... That's a part of your live sphere. Or if you don't have children at home, if you're living by yourself, you also have people that are your neighbors next door or down the street. There are people all around you that are part of your context. So as you live, think about ways in which you can speak the truth in love in one-on-one basis in small groups and in large groups. In one-on-one, in the home, make sure you're spending time reading and reading the Bible and praying with your children or with your spouse. One-on-one, you get to know your neighbor. Like you go introduce yourself to your neighbor. Like bake cookies and go talk to your neighbor. I know that sounds easy. But do it. Go get to know your neighbors. Go begin to invest in their lives. Invite them to an event. Or, and or if they invite you to an event, you go. Like if they come to you, because sometimes we don't go. Sometimes God sends our neighbors to our door and they're like, hey, I, just baked, I was thinking about you and I baked you some cookies. You're like, oh, great, I love the cookies. Don't shun the cookies, take the cookies in, even if you're diabetic. Take them in, invite the person in and share in their life together. As you work, think about ways in which you can talk about the things of God as you're having normal conversations. Take the time to, to pray with coworkers when things go wrong or things are broken in their own lives. Invite visitors to, or invite your coworkers to church or invite them to come to you, your life group. Inside the church, too, as we meet new people, when you see someone that is visiting our church on a Sunday morning, like try to invite them to go to lunch with you so you get to know them a little bit better. Gather with people from our church in Bible study and prayer throughout the week. As you're in the the sphere of where you play, where you recreate, invite people to church again or or to your life group. Get get to know them. And and when you hear something's going on in their lives, like send them an encouraging sermon. Send them an encouraging scripture passage. Or or just encourage them as you know the lives that they're going through. What I want us to do for the rest of our time is I, I, I want us to just spend some time. I know we come to church a lot of times and we hear a lot of things and we don't have time to process that. So I want to, I'll give us just a, a few minutes this morning as we enter towards uh, the close of our service. I want to ask you to just close your eyes for a moment. And I want you to, to think through, well first, 
Ask God to reveal to you in his next few minutes what he wants to. I'm going to say a quick prayer. God, I pray in these moments your spirit would be active in our lives and minds right now. Help us just to see as you see. So as you're thinking about the spheres of your life, where you live, where you work, and where you play, who is it that God has placed in those areas that you can begin or continue to live intentionally, speaking the truth and love to? For just a moment, I want you to focus in on where you live. Ask God to lay a neighbor on your heart. Maybe there's a family member. Think of their name. Think of their face. Spend just a second asking God to help you be bold, to speak the truth in life. your sphere of where you work and worship. Is there someone in our fellowship that you don't feel as, as close to, or maybe there's someone in our fellowship that God is bringing to mind this morning? Or maybe there is that person at work, or that person at school. Ask God to bring them to mind right now, and then ask God, to help you have the courage and the boldness to speak the truth in love. think about where you play, the sphere of your life where you find recreation, where you find joy, where you go in your free time. Ask God to reveal someone from that sphere. And as their face and their name come to mind, ask God to help you have boldness to speak the truth in love. Father, we thank you that you have given us great joy. But Father, in this joy, you've also given us the opportunity uh, to share this joy with other people. 
people. We know, God, that you have surrounded us that people with people that don't yet know you, but that you still love and that you still died for and you still care for. So, Father, I pray that you would continue to allow the need to speak the truth in love to be before our eyes daily, moment by moment, everywhere we go. And Father, this morning, I want to pray specifically and specially because you know as a part of our fellowship, we have parents, we have students, we have teachers that are connected to Howard High School. Father, we know that the tragedies happen every day, but this is something that has happened close to home and impacting people that we know. So, Father, I pray for these teachers. I pray for these parents. I pray for these students, Father, that you would help them in the midst of this time to be able to speak the truth in love. God, reign. Reign in truth and love through our words and through our lives this time. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask that you stand and sing as we conclude our service this morning.